um, cacao in my entire life. Fantastic. Like, in my entire life, I put um, cinnamon in it, sea salt, um, coconut milk, coconut sugar, and it's fantastic. Oh, so you're going to have to publish that recipe. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, cool, man. I mean, we'll just go ahead and get started then. I'll give you a little introduction here and sure. we'll get going. So everyone, welcome to the Soul Food for Thought podcast. And today I'm excited to bring you Hamilton Souther. And Hamilton's an author. He's an entrepreneur. He's a medicine shaman. And he's been featured in uh, a lot of big magazines. So National Geographic, Oprah Magazine, New York Times, um, and I could go on. And so, Hamilton, thank you for being here, my brother. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here today. So my first question for you is, who are you? Who am I? Uh, well, I'm a person who likes adventure. And in my early 20s, I decided to go on a big adventure into the Amazon looking for if there was any truth behind uh, real medicine, real a plant medicine, real authentic knowledge of the indigenous people. And uh, I found my way deep into the forest and I ended up living here uh, ultimately since then. So I would say I'm an adventurer and an entrepreneur and somebody who looks for ultimate success and life improvement. And I did so through a mystical path that included uh, amazing encounters with indigenous people and ultimately developing a, one of the first ever healing centers with plant medicine down in uh, the Amazon, which ultimately became a huge movement in the world, which uh, I wasn't expecting at that time. I did that in my early 20s. and. Since then, have uh, been working on positively impacting and empowering the people that we work with. That's fantastic, man. And so, I'm curious, what got you started on that path? Like, like how? I mean, I take it as a kid. Um, perhaps your curiosity was um, maintained, or to to, to some degree. Um, I'm just curious, like how that ad adventure for you kind of unfolded and how you ended up in Peru um, and some and just some of like the key experiences that really, you know, pushed you along that path. Sure. I mean, I had graduated from college, I went to the University of Colorado at Boulder. And um, so I had finished up school. I studied anthropology. I was really interested in human origins and human cultures and sort of diversity and, and what made us the same and what made us different. And I came to a point in my life where I was looking for direction and I started to have this really deep calling, this unbelievably strong calling to uh, the Amazon. And it came in different dreams and different kinds of visionary experiences that I had. And it literally said, go to the go to Peru and uh, there are people there that are going to teach you and are going to show you, you know, these these medicines. And so um, I decided to follow that that internal calling and see if there was any truth behind it and it actually turned out to all be true and um, it was really amazing and i'm glad that i took that opportunity to embrace that inner calling and that inner creativity like you say to uh to follow that inner dream and you know go on that adventure that's amazing man and that's very fascinating because you hear a lot about how um you know shamans are almost chosen to some extent, whether they have 
you know, a major illness that they had or a near-death experience or visions or something of the sort. And what is your understanding of that? Well, my understanding is that that's fundamentally true, that uh, in the archaic knowledge of shamanism that goes, you know, in the anthropological studies back tens of thousands of years and understanding that there was something different about one or two people in the tribes that kind of had this extra connection to an extraordinary concept of reality. And there was something about them that ultimately created that connection. And so I fundamentally think that when you go through, you know, massive illnesses or you go through, um, big accidents and things like that, all things that I had experienced in my life, actually multiple times before I got called to shamanism, uh, that it does change you. And if you've been really, really sick, it changes the way you see time. Like all your concerns of the future disappear, all your worries about whatever happened in the past disappear, and it makes you really present and really real time. It really puts you in the now. And I think there's also different kinds of brain uh, changes, brain chemistry changes, and also um, when you've experienced different kinds of illness or had traumas and things like that, you also have to, you know, your brain has to heal itself. And for some people that can uh, be a detrimental thing. And for other people, it can be a kind of awakening and that that ends up being part of the shamanic calling. Once you're kind of seeing reality from a different perspective or a different point of view, then uh, that way you see it differently can be trained. And so uh, I think in tribes, what happens is that, you know, people are going through all different kinds of pretty serious experiences, just like you see in the modern world. And out of that, um, there are some people that heal in a way that give them an extraordinary insight into their reality. And then that gets singled out by the shamans in a way it gets recruited and then it gets trained. And in my case, the visions that I started having were spontaneous after I embraced the idea of great spirit and brought great spirit into my life, uh, which was something that was very foreign to me before my early 20s. In my early 20s, that's when it seemed like I wanted an extraordinary or mystical experience of this concept of spirit. And I embraced it and I asked it to support the direction of my life. And that's when kind of everything took its own path. Mm -hmm. That's powerful, man. You said a lot of things that had me thinking. And the first one is the concept of that timelessness. Because it was funny, because the other day, I had this experience where I was going to sleep. And as I was going to sleep, I wandered upon this song of mine from my childhood. And it just really reminded me of like my like my very early childhood days. And so I like I drifted off to sleep. And for some reason, I woke up maybe like 10, 15 minutes later. And I was just in this, um, like this trance like state where I felt like I, in a sense, I felt like I was already dead. Like, like perhaps there was something about the nostalgia of the song or whatever it may have been, but it felt like almost nothing really mattered. You know, not in the sense of like all like, you know, life sucks, but like, you know, I just started to think about things a little differently in that moment. Like, okay, like I, I, I can take more risks. You know what I mean? Like I can, I can live fully. And what's also interesting that you said is, I guess like that, I, like you had me thinking about like, like the shamanic calling. And what's interesting to me is how 
like I'm curious, like collecting my thoughts here. How does it feel whenever you like, like, where, was there ever a point where you were resisting those calls? And if you were resisting them, um, yeah, like, how did that feel? Like, did you ever feel forced, like, down this path? You know what I mean? For sure. I mean, you know, that timelessness that you're talking about and that sense of everything kind of mattering and not mattering is fundamentally, I think, true. And as you get older and older, you see that because you know that this eventual death experience is awaiting which is, you know, for a lot of people, really scary to even mention or talk about. But, uh, you know, we embrace this understanding. Uh, we don't shun the understanding that there is a life and the life is lived and ultimately we leave this life for another and we call that a world of spirit, you know. So I completely understand when you're talking about finding yourself in this idea of timelessness and then an understanding around risk. Um, you know, ultimately in, in our experiences, you get callings all the time, you get impulses all the time to do things and it's natural to resist them, doubt them, fear them, uh, question whether or not you should embrace them, etc. And that was part and parcel of my early experiences, literally all the time. You know, it was really important to me that I wasn't both quote unquote crazy and delusional. Those concepts for me were, uh, you know, something really important considering that I was coming myself from a scientific background and this idea of sanity was was really, really important. And so I didn't want to be delusional and thinking that, you know, some some flight of fancy was happening in my mind and there wasn't actually something that was deeper than that. And I didn't really have a frame of reference either. And I think when you don't have a frame of reference for uh, what's happening, it's easy to, you know, both fear that thing and also be incredibly enticed by that thing that's happening, you know? And so I would go back and forth, especially through the majority of my early twenties in this kind of push and pull of being fearful of what was coming next and what I was being told within myself that I needed to do and the nature of the visionary experiences that I was having, uh, which were wild because it training, you know, with medicinal plant in the Amazon includes using all sorts of visionary plants that are really intense experiences. I mean, really, really intense. And they take this idea you have of reality and they expand it very, very quickly. And once that idea gets expanded, there's no way to kind of put it back in the previous box. And so, uh, you know, one day you're, you're thinking reality is one kind of bubble. The next day that reality has been, you know, expanded so much you have to take in such a greater concept of reality that that can also cause a lot of doubt and fear and i think that that's normal part of how you ultimately succeed in following these callings and following these visions is by how you treat doubt and fear and so uh, instead of being scared of being scared or being fearful of fear itself you know, can you respond to that fear with uh, clarity or can you center yourself in the face of the fear? Can you take one more step forward in, in your life path, you know, regardless of that fear? And we consider that courage, not the absence of fear itself. And so uh, that was always really important. And in terms of doubt, I figured that the mind was always going to doubt what it didn't know. And then as soon as it knows something, it doesn't doubt it anymore. And so you would have to be willing to live with certain doubts 
and really put your your true faith in yourself that you could move through those doubts and uh, and turn those into something actually important for you or life transformational. That's very powerful, man. What what's super fascinating to me is how whenever you cross over through that fear, it's just so invigorating to me to actually do that and to experience all of this new information. All of the it's like um it's like all it's like all of these resources and all of these new and different paths just automatically open themselves up to you. And so that's why there's like there's such an excitement to actually going through that fear. Even if it sounds absolutely crazy, it seems like the heart always wants to open towards it. I think that's the fundamental truth. I think that the heart doesn't fear life and that the mind does. And, you know, when you go through Western education and you live in a Western world, it's uh, really mind-dominated. And that mind dominance is, and uh, when you look inside your heart, you see that your heart really loves life and really embraces life and doesn't have that same fear and that that's really the, the source of your courage. And so I, you know, I completely agree with what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And so I want to ask you, you know, of course, we're, of course, we're going to talk about medicine and have some questions for you surrounding that. But I really want to hear about your the connection that you've cultivated to nature and to the jungle and what that relationship, what that connection has taught you about life, about yourself. Well, you know, when you go live in nature, uh, nature ceases to be something separate from you. When you live in the sort of modern version of suburbia and cities, nature is abstracted and it's somewhere else and you have to go to it. And go live in nature with indigenous people and with locals who live in tiny villages, you know, literally within the forest itself. The community that I lived with when I trained in the shamanic arts was a community of just 10 families. There was a very small number of people and the rest of this wide open forest that was, you know, the, this untamed jungle of upriver where I lived there were no permanent inhabitants. It was truly the edge of uh, where people lived and then where the rest of nature started. And when you live in that kind of environment and you live off the land and you live off the land, you don't well, since Hamilton is out for the moment, he's trying to reconnect. I thought I would just hop on here and and just talk. Um and so something that has been like supremely on my mind lately has really been the power of unpredictability. And what I mean by unpredictability is, you know, from one perspective, you could see it as being chaotic, but from another perspective, 
uh, and this is the perspective that I have been embracing is that it it's really breaking me free of all of my prisons. So every fear that I have, every belief that I have, every pattern that I have, every um, habitual reaction and, and behaviors, superstitions, all of these things. Because whenever you start to question absolutely everything that you're doing, whenever you bring your awareness to everything that comes into your, into your purview, into your consciousness, into your mind, whatever you want to call it, you realize that there are actually a lot of traps. There, there are a lot of traps. There are a lot of places in which you can be predicted. And you can be predicted because it's almost like you're driving, like you just keep driving down the same roads for whatever reasons that, you know, for whatever reason. And with me personally, I've found that I drive down a lot of the same roads when there is fear, you know? And so that's why I use the word superstition because I think superstition is a very powerful word because you can say it's the same thing as uh, a belief, but it encapsulates more with superstition i see superstition as being this um it's like the connection between belief and habitual activity habitual actions habitual patterns habitual behaviors so for example for me that could be um you know saying that or not saying but abiding by this rigid behavior that I that I can only eat breakfast past 10.30 a.m. And the belief behind that is that I will not be healthy if I'm not intermittently fasting. Um, or drinking a certain, or drinking a certain amount of water before breakfast. You know what I mean? To, to detox my body and like all this shit. And... And that's really a pattern that's keeping me trapped. It's keeping me enslaved. It is. And it brings a disharmony. It brings a discordance to my very way of being. Because so much energy is invested on staying in a certain way instead of following the impulses that are true to the core of my being to my soul so this morning i broke out of that pattern and it doesn't and, and breaking out of that pattern doesn't mean that you know i'm going to eat breakfast like i did today at eight o'clock every day because that would be doing the same thing i ate breakfast at eight o'clock today because i had the impulse to eat and it wasn't, you know, I've obviously talked about, you know, the compulsive eating thing a whole bunch on this podcast. Um, and I can tell you that this was not, you know, this wasn't an unconscious impulse. I'm sensing a difference 
lately between unconscious impulses and I'm not sure if I want to call I'm not sure if I want to call it unconscious impulses versus conscious impulses because we have to con consider where the impulses are coming from. Um, the way that I perceive it is that some of these impulses are rooted in this uh, fear-based, lack-based, uh, very emotionally reactive, uh, you know, based on wounding and trauma and an inability to sit with the unknown, to sit with our feelings and our emotions, all that, all like everything that's going on inside. So I see impulses that are coming from that place and impulses that are coming from, you know, whatever you want to call it. You can call it spirit. You can call it God. You can call it your angels. You can call it your soul. You can call it your higher self. You can call it whatever you want to call it. But to me, it's, um, you know, the, the impulses are, either, are coming from different places. And so my responsibility is to respond to those higher impulses, those impulses that are calling me to, to live a life of truth, to live a life in accordance to what every level of my being needs and requires to evolve to yeah to evolve to expand my consciousness and so i find that whenever i am following those impulses it's a very because you have to, like like th like think about those moments in your life, those days in your life where you felt your absolute best. And I want to ask you a question. Did it feel like you were unbounded? Did it feel like you were not restricted or held within any structure or a certain way of doing things? Everything kind of just flowed everything was perfect there was this perfect symbiosis between every layer and fabric and cell in your being everything was in integrity everything was so connected in that way perhaps that's how it that's how it feels for me so unpredictability it's really sitting there with everything that comes into my consciousness, into my awareness, and asking myself, what would I usually do? Like, what would I usually do? And realizing that the needs and the perhaps desires or whatever of my higher being are not asking me to travel down the same road because where are we going if we're traveling down the same roads? Nothing new is happening. We're not becoming more free. 
we're staying within our box. And so even whenever it seems crazy, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying put yourself in a danger, but whenever it sounds like for, for me in my life, many of the times that a lot of my biggest breakthroughs have come after the point of me saying, what you are about to do is crazy. Truly, the first Instagram video that I ever posted of myself is me talking for 15 minutes. The entire time, like before I was about to post that video, I literally said to myself, you are crazy. You are crazy. You are crazy. Because I was, I was deviating from this path and um, kind of like Hamilton and I have been talking about so far in this podcast is how whenever we um, travel off of that path, whenever we do the unpredictable thing, we are open to so much new information so many new possibilities. The things that we desire in our life, you know, whether that's a deeper relationship with self or whatever it may be, maybe you like, it, it can be anything. That version so, okay, so the way that I'm thinking about it is like, no matter what it is that we desire, that version of ourself that is living in the life of that desire, that very free version of yourself, that very unbounded version of yourself, that very connected version of yourself, that very abundant version of yourself. Think about the feeling of that. The feeling of that person does not feel perhaps fragmented. It doesn't for me at least. Whenever I feel my best, I feel integrated. I feel full. I feel complete. And so that's why whenever I'm doing the unpredictable things, it's like I'm recovering, retrieving this part of myself, this part of my soul that I have cast away. You know what I mean? Like I'm picking up these expressions of myself that I have cast away as a result of building these roads around the things that I fear. And so whenever I am able to become this all-encompassing entity, this all-encompassing being that is open to everything, then I'm free. Then I'm free, then I'm free, then I'm free. So an example is this video that I'm doing right now. I was sitting here, you know, once Hamilton disconnected, I was sitting here like, okay, like, what do I do? 
You know what I mean? So I kind of just sat here and meditated a little bit, whatever. And I was like, and then I got an impulse. I got the impulse to do something a bit unpredictable because usually I would just kind of sit here and wait for them to come back, scroll on Instagram, do whatever. But I got the impulse to do this. And this is in alignment with the reality that I desire. It's in alignment with this integrated version of me that I am always seeking to remember and to come back to. This version of me that can express himself freely no matter what. This version of me that is living a life of service through the delivery and the channeling of my gifts and my passion, my interests. So that's a message on unpredictability. And, and, and this is just really what, <laughs> it, it, like it, it has seriously been working wonders for me lately, wonders. It's, it's, it's being able to look into these different timelines because that's really what it is. Whenever you are able to recognize, whenever you are able to recognize a perception, okay? So let's say you get this, you get a, a thought download, right? It's a thought form that enters your mind. about what is going to happen next because our mind is linear. It's like, okay, what's happening right now? And then what is going to happen next? And we can always choose what's gonna happen next. And if you're willing to really sit there and look at that perception, you'll be able to see and map out almost and, and to literally peek into the different timelines. And based on what it is that you truly desire, whether it's a more free version of yourself or a more abundant version of yourself, whatever it may be, you'll be able to basically pinpoint which timeline is in your highest good to manifest physically. So if I am in my refrigerator, figuring out what I'm going to have for breakfast. Chances are, if I'm thinking too much about it, if I'm sitting there in the refrigerator for five minutes about what I'm going to eat, Chances are I'm, 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 I'm peeking into these different timelines and, uh, and there's, there's like a block. There's like a, there's like a fog. I'm like wearing glasses that have fog on it because something is preventing me from doing the most natural thing. And in my head, I'm kind of deliberating. You know what I mean? I'm deliberating. I'm like, okay, like, what am I going to do? 
And so for this specific example, what it is for me is um, usually like, like I have the same thing for breakfast like pretty much every day. For at least the past like year, I've had uh, eggs and avocado for breakfast. And lately I've really been listening to my body and my body is saying that I don't need and I don't necessarily want um, meats and flesh foods. I'll eat them, you know, from time to time, but my body is increasingly, at least as of right now, wanting them less. And so with that perception considered, I'll be in my refrigerator, right? And part of me will be like, okay, like, you know, what you usually do, what you usually do is you have eggs and avocado for, for breakfast. That's one perception. That's one timeline. And then another one is like looking at that perception of no man, like, you know, eating meat is bad for you. And it's going to bring this discordant energy and all of these foreign energies or whatever you want to call it these dead animal energies into your body and it's going to make you unclear. So you need to eat a plant-based breakfast with plant protein. And so where does the unpredictability come in? It comes from the very, very first thing that you feel called to do. For me, at least, it's it, it like it. The speed in which that in that intuition is recognized, and the unpredictability is called forth. Like like it's it's quick. It's quick. It's being able to. You know, because it can, like it, it can be a little muddy because there's so much information that we are bombarded with all the time. Literally everything around us in our reality is information. It's all energy and all energy carries information. So the sound of my voice is energy that is carrying information. My computer is energy. And the reason why I can feel it and see it as it is, is because that energy is carrying information. And the difference in the information in the computer is the reason why the computer looks different than my cell phone that is sitting next to me. Their different structures are representative of the different information, right? So everything that we're encountering we're encountering information. And if you're really able to open yourself to the information and to, and, and to just really just like sit there, like, I mean, it really tastes like, like I meditate a lot. Like just to be straight up in order to really 
you know, like I'm not saying that you have to meditate in order to be to, to be spiritual. I'm not saying that you have to meditate to live a good life. But I'm saying that if you want to make it easier for yourself to live in a more natural way, to live in a more congruent way, then you have to be able to understand your relationship to what is presented to you. And the ways, and, and, and in particular, the ways in which you are usually responding. You can see these, these ways of habitual response as just being programs. You can call them whatever you want to call them. You can call them a dark energy that has... Um, that is inhabiting your consciousness. You can see it as a program. You can see it as a belief. Whatever you want to call it, they're all different ways of saying the same thing. It's being able to recognize those habitual responses and saying, okay, what has this been creating for me? And is there more energy here? Is there more here? What would happen if I jumped into a completely different timeline right now by doing something entirely different? So for example, let's say that you are Let's say that you're avoiding someone. You're avoiding an interaction with someone. You're avoiding a direct encounter with someone. And this is just an example. Part of you is like, okay, like I know exactly where I need to go and what I need to do in order to not encounter this person. However, at least in my experience, what I found is that whenever I'm, it doesn't necessarily feel good whenever I'm trying to avoid someone. You know what I mean? Like there's a difference between it's like how much I'm going to engage with someone. You know what I mean? Like I can at least walk past them or be in the same room with them and be okay. You know what I mean? I, I don't have to um, necessarily talk to them and share all of my energy with them. But I don't have to, I, I don't have to live my life as if I'm running away from them. You know what I mean? So um, one perception in my mind would be okay. The predictable thing Basically, this is the, the, the predictable program, behavior, whatever, is, okay, I know exactly what I need to do, what steps I need to take in order to not interact with this person, in order to not encounter this person, in order to not see this person. And then, on the other hand, it's recognizing this impulse within me 
that is like, you know what? I want to live freely and naturally. So I'm not, so I'm going to do the unpredictable thing. And honestly, like there will be some times where like, I mean, like I, I, I take almost every opportunity to do the unpredictable thing because it just introduces me to a new reality. It's almost, you know, what I've been saying lately is like surprise the universe and the universe will surprise you. Surprise the universe and the universe will surprise you. I'm showing the universe that I'm not going to live in a box, that I'm not going to be enslaved to these thought forms. Because every single thing that we do matters. And that's not to, you know, put excess pressure on you, but that is just the truth. Because we're either moving forward or we are remaining stagnant. I never like to say that we're moving backwards. But there is a difference between stagnancy and moving forward. And for me, unpredictability, loving unpredictability, you know what I mean? It's not like acting a fool. <laughs> I mean, that's what you want to do. Okay. Uh, I'm curious to see what happens because that's interesting. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, you're still introducing yourself and exposing yourself to all of these uh, lost parts of yourself because we are so civilized. We are so indoctrinated by these thoughts and these beliefs and these patterns. We are so incredibly indoctrinated by them. And that is the reason why we do not feel free. That's the reason why we do not feel whole and connected. We can't feel connected if we are cutting off these uh, expressions, these potential expressions of ourselves. And so, yeah, like the, I've just been thinking so much about this lately. It's like, I'm not going to declare myself as a vegan because that puts me in a box. That puts me in a box where I'm running around in fear all the time and I'm not I'm not flexible. I cannot enjoy my life in that way. It's more so for me about what is my body feeling in this moment? So unpredictability aside, unpredictability is, is, is just a cool way of saying it. It's really just being in tune and so present and so aware that we are able to sense whenever the game is playing us. Being aware when we're actually keeping ourselves in a prison instead of moving beyond it. And into more freedom, into more love, into more connection. 
into more abundance. So that is the message for me. I'm not um, completely sure what's up with Hamilton. I'm pretty much, um, you know, if he does not. Okay, so we are actually going to reschedule our podcast. Um, his entire phone and Wi-Fi system is down. So we're going to reschedule this, but I mean, I'm glad I did the unpredictable thing. You know what I mean? Because I, <laughs> it's like, there's this um, feeling in me. Like, like I was pumped to do the podcast today. You know what I mean? Like this service is what feels good to me. You know what I mean? Talking about consciousness and energy and multidimensionality and the universe and the human condition and all these things it makes me feel alive um so yeah so we're going to reschedule this podcast with hamilton um and yeah so Thank you for listening to the Soul Food for Thought podcast. And um, yeah, thank you for listening to my solo soap.